Well, welcome to Palm Vista Community Church this morning as we continue our series in the letter of 2 Peter. Now, our passage this morning is in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 10b through verse 22. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 10b through verse 22. And the title of the message this morning is Steady Souls. Steady Souls. When I was attending Reformed Theological Seminary in Orlando in the early 90s, uh, my best buddies, my, my study partners were both from North Carolina. And I remember every morning they would greet me. They'd say, Pino, how's your soul? Of course, what they were saying is, in their beautiful southern way, uh, Al, how you doing? How you doing? How's your soul? And Peter has the same question for you and me as he did for the first century church. How's your soul? Peter's desire is that as he is about to depart this earth, that he would help build Christians who have steady souls in the midst of suffering and turmoil. That was his desire. That was his concern. And he's addressing, in 2 Peter primarily, the proper knowledge of God. And he's coming against the false teachers and prophets whom Corey called last week, in last week's sermon, bullies roaming the halls of the first century church. Bullies who wanted to unsteady souls. Who wanted to disturb souls because they could take advantage of unsteady souls. And Peter is saying, no, I want to steady your souls in Christ. And he has that word for us this morning in the 21st century church. So let me ask you this morning, how's your soul? Is it steady? Is it fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ and his coming? Well, the answer to that question, how's your soul, will depend on whom you are listening to these days. To whom are you listening? Because the main point of this message, I believe that Peter is saying on the screen, steady souls listen to true teachers. Unsteady souls listen to false teachers. Steady souls listen to true teachers unsteady souls listen to false teachers to whom are you listening this morning we need to sharpen our minds to discern the bullies the manipulators the false teachers the false prophets the false preachers whose end is certain judgment but whose teaching can bring an unsteady nature to our souls and thus to our churches we need to discern and we need the discernment to know to whom we should be listening, especially in the church. Well, Peter provides that for us. He provides that discernment for us. So let us turn now to 2 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 10b. So if you're looking at it in your Bible, it's going to begin with the word bold and willful. You there? 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 10b. Bold and willful, they, the false teachers, do not tremble, as they blaspheme the glorious ones. Whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. But these, the false teachers, like irrational animals and creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, 
blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant will also be destroyed in their destruction. Suffering wrong is the wage for their wrongdoing. They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children. Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke. Don't you love the richness of Scripture? A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. Oh, friends, a speechless donkey is speaking. But I, my burden is that we would restrain the madness of the false prophets and teachers today. Verse 17. These, the false teachers, are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. For them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh, those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the proverb, what the true proverb says has happened to them, the dog returns to its vomit and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. The Federal Reserve is the agency that maintains our currency here in the United States. And they are knowledgeable and aware of the fact that counterfeit currency is a great destabilizing factor to our economy. And to that end, they have many websites where you can learn how to spot counterfeit currency. One such article begins this way, quote, What should I do if I think I have a counterfeit note? The best way to determine whether a note is genuine is to rely on the security features, such as the watermark and security thread. Counterfeit detection pens are not always accurate and may give you false results. To learn about these security features in genuine Federal Reserve notes, visit the New Money public education website. Now, the first thing you find when you go to the website is, number one, what are the currencies that we normally use in the United States of America? Do you know? They're the $1 bill. Yes, the $2 bill. The $5 bill. The $10 bill. The $20 bill. The $50 bill. And the $100 bill. So right away, go into that website. You know if someone hands you a $3 bill down at the local supermarket, that's probably not a real currency note. But let's delve deeper into this. Let's delve deeper into this. Let's use the $100 bill, or as is commonly called, a Benjamin. This is the most recently uh, 
sort of redesigned currency note and has several very important security features so that you, the common person, can determine whether it is true or not. Number one, it has a 3D security ribbon. It's that blue ribbon you see. And if you were close enough, you would see it's 3D. Next, it has a color-shifting bell. So right here in the bell, if you kind of move it in the, in the light, you'll see it's a color-shifting bell. It's located right in the inkwell. Next, it has a portrait watermark. So old Ben Franklin, he's got a very serious and contemplative look on his face. I'd be a lot happier if I was on the you know, $100 bill. Uh, if, you, if you hold it up to the light, you'll see a watermark right here with Ben Franklin's image. You can see it from the front and from the back. And finally, I don't know if you know this, but currency is made of a cotton linen fiber. It's not paper. So when you feel it, it just feels rich. <laughs> you feel rich. No, um, no greed. Um, it better be here when I'm done, okay? That's all I have to say. Uh, so these are the security features. Listen to how the article ends. It is important to know what the security features are in genuine currency because if you end up with a counterfeit note, you will lose that money. A counterfeit note cannot be exchanged for a genuine one, and it is illegal to knowingly pass counterfeit currency, i.e., if you received it undiscerningly, forget about trying to give it to someone else. You just broke the law. And it concludes like this. And it is important for you to know and memorize these security features. Friends, it is important to know the security features so that we can determine a true currency note, but it is even more important to know the security features so we can determine who are the true teachers and preachers in the church. Because if you end up listening to the lies and receiving the lies of a false teacher or preacher, you will have great loss and you will gain an unsteady soul that weakens you and the church. The real currency, the real teacher is Jesus Christ. Every true teacher has been minted from the original plate of the one true teacher, Jesus Christ. And that teacher will have the security features. They will have the imprint of Christ himself who loves us and teaches us and came to reveal to us who God is. His word is life. And any false counterfeit of it is death. And so he this morning, God himself, wants us to know who the true teachers are. He wants us to understand the security features and we're about to get into them. There's four of them that Peter gives us in this text. So that the true teacher, the plate from which all other true teachers are minted, beginning with Peter, who was actually being accused back then of being a false teacher by the false teachers, all the way up to this teacher who's standing in front of you, has to have these security features. You've got to hold us up to the light. Is there a watermark? Is there that 3D ribbon? Does the inkwell have that little color coding? Does it have the feel of a cotton linen fiber? See, a true teacher one who is minted after Christ himself, is distinguished from a false teacher by four things. What he says, what he sees, what he desires, and what he does. Security feature number one, what a teacher says. Friends, what a teacher says is kind of like this 3D security ribbon. You see it right there? 
So imagine the 3D security ribbon, and that is the security feature of what a teacher says. Look at verse 10 with me again. Verse 10 says the following, Be bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones. Verse 11, Whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord, but these, like irrational animals, creatures of of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant. The word blaspheme is used three times in these verses. The Greek word from which we get the English word blaspheme here in this text has a range of meaning. And part of that range of meaning is a sense of speaking against an irreverent slander, especially against holy things or God himself. See, the the, the false teachers were speaking against the glorious ones. Who's the glorious ones? See that in verse 10? B? They blaspheme the glorious ones. Well, the glorious ones we know immediately from the text, that's not speaking about God. Because in verse 11, you have a distinction between the glorious ones and God. A blasphemous judgment against them, the glorious ones, before the Lord. So we've got two things, the glorious ones and the Lord. So it's not God. Well, maybe it's angels. Maybe, but I don't think so. I think the glorious ones here are other teachers and pastors minted after the image of the true teacher, Jesus Christ. I think he's saying they're speaking against the messengers of God, the pastors, the teachers. I mean, Peter is, after all, in the context of this letter, being spoken against by the false teachers who are saying, Peter is giving you myths. He's making it up when he says that Jesus will return. So the glorious ones are teachers. These false teachers are like irrational animals that are born to be caught and destroyed. They're ignorant of what they speak about. They get up and they boast and pontificate and preen to entice unsteady souls, but they don't know what they're talking about. As Corey preached last week, and as this text reinforces for us, they will be destroyed in their destruction. That's the verbiage here. They will suffer wrong As the wage for their wrongdoing, there's a play on words going on here in Greek. It reinforces for the Greek speaker, God's judgment is true, as Corey preached last week. As his deliverance is true, his judgment is going to happen. God knows how to rescue the godly and keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. Now, in contradistinction to that, the the, the 3D security ribbon of a true teacher is their speech is gracious. They're not blaspheming, boasting, arrogantly speaking against and slandering other teachers. Their speech is gracious. True teachers speak truth about God. Remember, the knowledge of God is the theme of this letter. Ephesians says that we are to speak a word of grace to people that helps them in their time of need. That's why it says, do not curse. That cursing isn't necessarily a bad word as we would think of it today, but it's speaking things that don't build people up. A true teacher speaks God's word graciously with the grace of God, and it builds people up. A false teacher speaks a bunch of slanderous uh, lies to tear you down, to destabilize you. A true teacher speaks God's grace and God's truth to build you up and strengthen you in the faith. That is the security ribbon. Do you sense that when you listen to good teachers? If on a regular basis you're not sensing that, then you need to ask yourself, who am I listening to? 
whether it's on a TV screen, on a radio, a reading, or at church. Security feature number two. What a teacher sees. This would be likened to the color shifting ball that's right here inside of the inkwell. You see that little inkwell? And there's a color shifting ball there in the bell. Excuse me, color shifting bell. So that's the bell, the Liberty Bell inside that inkwell. And when you put it up to the light, it's shifting colors there. What a teacher sees. We see this in verse 14. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. In the Bible, one's eyes reveal one's heart. Also, one's words reveal one's heart. So actually, the first security feature, what they say, this 3D ribbon, reveals their heart. And the second one, what they see, what their eyes are looking at, reveals their heart. They have eyes full of adultery. If you go on reading, uh, actually, if you look in verse 13, it says that they revel in the daytime. They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. That means that they boast in their sin and their, and their lust and their desires. They have eyes full of adultery, objectifying women and breaking the covenant of marriage with the wives of their youth with an insatiable appetite for sin. That's what it says in verse 14. Listen, friends, follow a man's eyes and they will reveal what he desires. Now, men, let me just speak to you right now. We all wrestle with this, don't we? But how sad it is when you see a man with his wife and children and a woman walks by. If you follow his eyes, you get what I'm talking about? All right, so we're all wrestling with this. But, but the false teachers, they, bo- they revel in the daytime. They say, whoo. They don't even try to hide it. They'll teach you grace, grace, grace. It doesn't matter. We're going to abrogate the ethical commands of the word of God. And they boast in it. They revel in it. Be free. Follow a man's eyes. And they will reveal what he desires. Listen, the result is that these teachers entice unsteady souls. Look at that in verse 14 again. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. The true teacher doesn't entice unsteady souls. The true teacher, Peter's aim in 2 Peter, hopefully our aim today, is not to entice unsteady souls, but rather to build up unsteady souls to become steady souls. A true teacher it wants to build you up in the faith. He wants to strengthen your faith. He doesn't cast doubt upon the faith. Once delivered to us by Christ, he wants to strengthen your faith. A false teacher wants you to be weak and unsteady because he knows he can come in and entice the weak and unsteady person. That's the second security feature. What a teacher sees. This is the color-shifting bell and in the inkwell on the face of the $100 bill. Third security feature, what a teacher desires. What a teacher desires. We've alluded to it just a moment ago by the second security feature, but what a teacher desires, that can be likened to the portrait watermark that you can see here on the right-hand side when you put it up to the light of Benjamin Franklin. You can see it from both sides. The portrait watermark is what a teacher desires. Look at 14b. They have hearts trained in greed. Hearts trained trained in greed. Oh my. 
The words of a man's mouth and the lust of a man's eyes reveal the desires of a man's heart. And one of the major marks of a false teacher, and by the way, we're going to see in a moment, one of the major marks of a true teacher is how they view money. Money in itself is not evil. But greed is, the love of money is, and a false teacher can be marked, can be seen. You can see, if it doesn't have this watermark, if they're not seeing and dealing with money properly, then you can bet your bottom dollar, no pun intended, that that is a false teacher. And to, and to back this up, Peter uses an interesting illustration. Look with me at the illustration that Peter uses. Verse 15, forsaking the right way, They have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing. So if you do some study about Balaam, the son of Beor, you would want to start with Numbers 22. Write that down. It's a nice little bedtime story for your kids. Balaam, the son of Beor, is who we're going to talk about tonight. And when you read that, you realize that he was a prophet of Israel, but he was a false prophet of Israel. So as Israel is wandering through the desert, about to go into the promised land, they have to walk through a land called Moab. Look it up on your maps. And Balak, the king of Moab, came to, came to, to, to Balaam and said, Hey, dude, you want a new car? Just prophesy against God's people. Balaam said, okay. He took it. And this is where this text is so beautiful. He tries to curse Israel, and God doesn't let him. He gets up and he says, he's about to say, I'm going to curse you. And, you know, Balak, the the king of Moab, is ready. As soon as he curses them, they're going to go in and wipe out Israel. And what comes out of his mouth are blessings. Oh, how did that happen? And he does it again and again. And finally, what God does, God takes a donkey, his donkey, and speaks to him. And that's where Peter, I love this in verse 16, but he, Balaam, was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. Sadly, this prophet's madness wasn't restrained internally because in Numbers 31, you know what we find out happens to Balaam? God's righteous people kill him as a false prophet. A picture of the judgment that is certain to come that we heard about last week. Even when it looks like the prophet is prospering, has a huge ministry, and has all kinds of assets, trust me, one day he will face the true teacher. He will face the true teacher. See, Balaam rejected God's authoritative ways. He rejected the restraint of the word of God. He cast off the ethical commandments that God gave. And he loved money. Uh, It's interesting Balaam also is the one, you'll learn this in Numbers 31. So Numbers 22, Numbers 31. Balaam was also the one who prophesied and told Israel, sleep with the Moabite women, it's fine. And God judged his people for that. Oh, friends. Lord, help us. True teacher, help us. Because the pressures are big right now. Corey mentioned it last week. The whole sexual thing, the whole sexuality thing, marriage thing. It's, it's huge. It's, it's a pressure on the church. And there's going to be Balaams that are going to say, it's okay, it's all by grace, don't worry about it. Jesus isn't really coming back. If it feels, if you love him, do it. Whoever, male, female, married, unmarried, whatever. It's not all right. That's not a true teacher. That's someone enticing an unsteady soul. In contrast to the false teacher, this watermark 
is seen by Paul. Paul mirrors this watermark in his instructions to Timothy, the pastor of the church at Ephesus, on how to choose teachers or elders or overseers. On the screen. 1 Timothy 3, 1-3. Look at this watermark, this, this third security feature. Timothy, the saying is truthful, trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of an overseer, that's pastor, elder, teacher. He desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer, now listen, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard. You can see where this mirrors what Peter is saying, what he sees, what he says, what he desires. Not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. And Paul spoke further at the end of 1 Timothy of the danger of the love of money. And the reason I'm camping on this is because in Miami, we love money as a culture. I love Miami. I love this culture. God is going to redeem this culture. Every culture has a particular weakness. We love money. We love the Benjamins. Man, give me more Benjamins. We love money and what it brings. We love to look good, drive nice cars, wear beautiful clothes, try to stay young for the rest of our lives. We came from immigrant parents. My parents, my father was a milkman. And they understood the value of education and money. And we were driven, even as unbelievers. And there's something noble about the thing. But Miami is a desperate city on the edge. People will do anything to survive because they want to eat. I get that, right? Some of you understand this. Some of you came in on boats, you know, where you had nothing when you arrived here. And the human instinct of survival and make it. And I'm going to make some money. But what happens is, particularly without Christ, that starts getting you. And man, you're, you're working one job, you're working two jobs, you're working three jobs. You're starting to get a little shady on this, you're starting to get a little shady on that. Miami is the fraud capital of the world when it comes to the Medicare-Medicaid deal. Because we're driven by money. And listen to what God says to us, the true teacher. 1 Timothy 6, 3-10. through 10. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord, Jesus Christ, and the teaching that accords with godliness... He's puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He's talking about these same guys. Peter says, they blaspheme, they blaspheme against things they're ignorant of. He has an unhealthy craving for controversies and quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth. These, this is an unsteady people, an unsteady church. Imagining that godliness is a means of gain. But godliness with contentment, there is, your, there is your watermark, contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. When you die, it's gone. You're not getting it. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But... Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. What what does it benefit you if you gain the world and lose your soul? Verse 10, for the love of money, not money, the love of money, is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. The only teacher worth listening to is the one who is content with what God has given him. Application. How is your soul, brother, sister? Are you content with what God has given you? Do you believe that godliness with contentment is a mean, is great gain? 
We can always apply these to ourselves, can't we? Because sometimes the teacher we listen to is ourselves. Do we have these security features? Are we telling each ourselves bogus information that unsteadies our own souls? Let us look to the true teacher, Jesus. And the final security feature is what the teacher says. Number four, what, what the teacher says. What the teacher, excuse me, what the teacher does. What the teacher does. What the teacher does is likened to the cotton linen fiber of this $100 bill. If, if you were up here and, and feeling it with your hands and then trying to take it and put it in your pocket without me seeing, you would, you would tell that it feels differently than this piece of paper. Very much so. This is speaking of the, of the teacher's life, what he does. This is speaking of that credibility gap between what a man preaches from the pulpit and what he actually lives at home. This is why Paul said that, that a man's home, a man's life, how he treats his wife and his children, how he handles his money, is the verification that he is an elder, that he is a true teacher. Look at verse 17. These teachers are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. For them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved for speaking loud boasts of folly. Oftentimes that comes right through your TV screen. They entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. What he's talking about is they entice the new believer. That's that person who... Uh, has barely escaped from those who live in error. So they entice the new believer. They know they can get money. They guilt them into giving, and they get the money, and they entice them. They entice them. And here's what they entice them with. Look at verse 19. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. They boast loudly from TV screens and pulpits, but their boasting is folly. They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves to corruption. They're slaves to lust. They're slaves to greed. Friends, beware of those who offer you freedom by removing biblical, ethical imperatives. Beware. Beware. The, the true teacher, you, you kind of get a feel for it. I mean, I mean common sense. It feels differently. Yes, I see the 3D watermark. Yes, or the 3D security ribbon. Yes, I see the, uh, the, the bell that has the colors in the inkwell. Yes, I see the watermark. But when you hand me a $100 bill, it feels right. I look at the lifestyle of this teacher. Is he free? Because see, the true teacher, the, 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 the true feel of a, te- a true teacher's life is one of freedom. The, the, the teacher whom God has minted from Jesus Christ, the, the ultimate teacher, has a life of freedom. He's not bound by his sins. Is he perfect? No. He's not perfect. But he is free. He's not bound by the things that bind men, particularly in our culture. He might be fighting them. He might wrestle with them, but he's not bound by them. These guys are saying you can be free and they themselves are slaves of sin. The true teacher is a slave of righteousness. That's why we must look carefully behind whom to whom we are listening just like we need to look carefully behind every candidate and who is backing them and how they voted, not how they say they're going to vote, but how they voted. How does that man live? Sometimes 
A teaching can, 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 you think, that's a $100 bill. That's some good stuff, man. And then you feel it and you go, eh, kind of looks like it. There's some Christianese to it. It doesn't feel right. And that person's saying it, ah, I'm not sure. See, in summary, false teachers deny the true knowledge of God by their lives, by the lives they live. And that's what verses 20 and 21 are talking about. It's not talking about whether you can lose your salvation. Of course you can't. The Bible teaches you can't. It's talking about these guys were never really saved because they live in a way that denies the very thing they said they were. They're not. They're fakes. They're phonies. They're false. This was If it's a fake $100 bill, it never was a $100 bill. I cannot lose this $100. It cannot not become a $100 bill. But when I see his life, I realize he never was. And then he's likened to a dog that eats its vomit. When you vomit... You are vomiting out the impurities that are hurting you. That's what vomiting is. You're trying to get it out of your system. So the dog is so foolish, he goes back and eats the very thing that got him sick. Or like a pig. You could take a pig to a car wash. Imagine a guy driving down the street, highly a guy, the big pig in the back. Takes it to one of those car washes with the wands. Shines it up, you know, cleans his teeth. As soon as the pig gets back, it's going to go right back in the mud. In two seconds. That is the false teacher. The true teacher teaches teaches a true knowledge of God that will always lead to righteousness. They're not perfect, no way. Only Jesus, the true teacher, is perfect. And we always look to him. We say, mercy, O God. Have mercy, O God. I'm about to preach this morning things that I am not doing, things that I know I've sinned in. It's not hypocrisy to do that because there are people in this church that know and they're holding me accountable and I'm trusting God. My wife knows, but, but I'm saying I'm pointing to the one true teacher and he gives me the power and steadies my soul when it's unsteadied by things. And ultimately one day we'll be like him. When we see him face to face, as David mentioned, we'll be like him. Friends, Bottom line is this, true teachers live lives that reflect the gospel. They are free. You look at their family, you look at their finances, you look at their friends, and they will verify that. Steady souls listen to true teachers, unsteady souls listen to false teachers. To whom are you listening? We steady our souls, friends, when we listen to the true teacher and all those who are minted from him. This was minted from a true Federal Reserve mint. It is a true $100 bill. The the discernment begins with the knowledge of Christ, the knowledge of Jesus, the knowledge of the true item, the personal knowledge and, 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 and relationship with the Lord. This is why seeking God every day, spending time, having a quiet time, worshiping the Lord is so important. We, we, we see him more and more. We see him through a glass dimly. We, we listen to, to, to preaching that's from God's word. And he himself meets with us and loves us and steadies our unsteady souls. Jesus is the one who in what he says, it's perfect and true and right. The 3D security ribbon around Jesus is this, this, this proper word. He says, I am the word. The word is with us. The word has become flesh. Jesus has that security feature of that color shifting bell within the inkwell. And what he sees, he's pure, he's right, he's right, his eyes blaze with the purity of the holiness of God. Holy, holy, holy. And we're becoming like him. 
Jesus has that portrait watermark of what he desires. He desires. He said to his his disciples, my food, my meat, my drink is to do the will of God. None of us are there perfectly, but we're walking in that direction. What direction? That's the point of a true teacher. And Jesus is the one whose life, he lived the perfect life. Yes, this life has the feel of Jesus. We're not there yet, but we're becoming like the one who has minted us. Friends, let us trust God. Let us grow in discernment. Let us grow in having steady souls and a steady church. Let us trust God that he will work in us these features and that he will build a church that is true and strong and steady, built on the rock and foundation of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Worship team, would you join me? Lord, I pray that this morning we would see the one true teacher, the plate from which all other true teachers are minted, that we would taste and see that the Lord is good. Lord, you are greater than we can imagine. Lord, you are more beautiful than all creation. Father, you are the one. You are greater than we can imagine. And so we pray, God, that we would see you as greater than any financial gain, greater than any lust that, that, that entices our souls. Lord, we're fallen, we're weak, we're, we're flawed. We, we tend toward instability. We do things that, that make us often unstable and destabilize our families and churches and even children and our own selves. We, Lord, we need you. Fill our vision with your greatness. Let our desires be for you. Let our eyes be pure. The, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Purify our hearts. We need your mercy, Lord. Give us a vision of where we're going. Like Corey said, Lord, our destination is perfection with you. Not going to receive it now, but one day we'll be like you. No more fear. No more lust. No more anger. No more bereavement of people dying in terrorist attacks. But we'll be at a place of pure peace, pure faith, pure goodness. We'll be happy forever. True happiness. Let that fill my eyes, even when I deal with the sadness today. Steady us, O oh God, for you are greater than we can imagine.